Blog Talk Radio. We're back. I hope we're back. Difficulties. So you guys stand by, and hopefully we can. Okay. Yes, Lord. Ain't that right? Caves and chaos. Yeah, we got some people. Let's see. Let me check myself. So. Okay. Thank you for t- tuning into the Bobby Eaton Show. We've had technical difficulties, <clears throat> but we're going to move it right on along. So stick around. Uh, I'm going to come right back to you. You're on the show. All right. Great. Hey, boy. Would you meet me on the roof tonight? I got a surprise for you.
It's time for the Bobby Eaton Show, giving you information you want to know and music for your soul. It's the Bobby Eaton Show. For the Bobby Eaton Show, yeah. giving you information you'll want to know, speaking on issues affecting us all, and music for the soul. Yeah. It's the Bobby Eaton Show. Bobby. It's the Bobby Eaton Show. Bobby. It's the Bobby Eaton Show. Bobby. It's the Bobby Eaton Show. Hello, world. Good afternoon. Good evening. Hey, and welcome to the Bobby Eaton Show. This is where we tell our stories our way. When I say our way, I mean our way. Hey, I want you to keep in mind that we're here every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, 6 p.m. Central Standard Time. Also on Saturday, like today, from 12 to 2. And boy, do we have a great show with you know going on today. We're going to be talking about African American history and African culture and some of the myths. We have Brother Chief Alaga. I got to get your name right, man, over there. You know, Alagaba Fabinro, right? Amazon, right? I mean, I got to get that in my head. I'm so used to just Chief, 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 Chief. You know what I mean? So we're going to get that going on, and he's here, and he has guests here. We're going to be giving it to you on the real. You know, we don't downplay anything. It's the truth. It's the real. So stick around and uh, dial it. No, hey, matter of fact, just dial the number 646-716-5525. Okay. And press the one button if you want to talk on the radio. Also, you can go to, um, for those computer um, um, listeners, you know, I, we split verbs and we get stuttered up and all that. It don't matter. But anyway, you can go to www.blogtalkradio.com forward slash WFUNK. Can't remember any of that. Just Google the Bobby Eaton Show. You know, that that should get you there. You know, so we want you to uh, really tune into this particular show right here. I want you to do that. Keep in mind that every Thursday night, now people ask me, what's going on, Bobby, on Thursday nights? Thursday night is the Juice Radio Show. Juice, they say, Bobby, what's the Juice? What's the Juice Radio Show? Juice Radio Show. Young people coming together from various different Tulsa public school, high schools here in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and they come into the radio station and they do radio their way. And they teach me a whole lot of stuff. And, you know, you can learn a lot from young people. You know, old people, you need to listen sometimes, learn something from Young people and young young people, you need to listen to some old people. So we need to keep that in the mix right there. So that's what we we need to do. But we want to make sure that uh, you guys are tuned in, and uh, I appreciate all of the support and everything that you've given me to you know for this platform right here. And I really do. Hey, we're gonna come back with Brother Chief, you know, and uh, his guests. And so stick around, okay? I have seen gods fly. I've seen men build weapons that I couldn't even imagine. Uh-huh. I've seen aliens drop from the sky. Yeah. But I have never seen anything like this. How much more are you hiding? Hold up. Let's go, go, go. Thank you. 
Multi-dimensional. It was layered. I mean, I, I got to watch it again, even sit in a different place, you know, so I can see it in a different way. Mm-hmm. But, I'm going uh, back too. Yeah, know. because I know I might some, see it three or four times. Yeah, I know it's some know. other elements. It's a long film. Yeah, it know? is. It's a lot of a lot of elements in it, um, and it it creates it creates the potential for a lot of good conversations to occur, especially between uh, diasporic Africans and Africans, indigenous Africans. You know, it's it creates a whole nother dialogue, a whole nother conversation, mm-hmm. and I think that's what the that's what the director really wanted to provoke. Uh, but it, it was just it was it was profound. I mean, it was a really profound film, and I love the way they, I love the way they scripted it. I love the way they utilized uh, different cultural aspects from different African tribes. Yeah, African, I enjoyed yeah, that part. That too. was really beautiful. You know, because mm-hmm. it showed that unification and that diversity of, amongst yeah, us too. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, man, it was great. I mean, when I uh, and I saw all the 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 the, the, the cultural dress and appearance and the the the, the makeup right. and the the body piercings right. and the scarification. Scarf, scarifications that, that signify what tribe right. you were from. Right. And, and when I, I saw all of that, I was like, wow. And they had some humor in it as well. Yeah. You know, along you know how we black people we can have fun. Right. You know, right. we can enjoy ourselves, and uh, uh, it was just so enlightening you know i was just sitting there like i said about to fall out of my seat they were trying to hold me down i'm like (laughs) i was squirming and stuff you know but it was just so good i just you know it's just one of those kind of movies right you know yeah so my brother now you go over to africa you um are involved you're an activist and um let's talk about a little bit about you and first of all where you 
got started. You, you okay? Where you were born? Right. You know, okay. and how did it all got started? So I was born here in Tulsa. In Tulsa, Oklahoma. Yes. Uh, my mother's lineage is from Ni- of Nigerian descent. Mm-hmm. My father's indigenous to this country, this land. Um, my journey started in 1998 when I went to Nigeria for the first time. As the conversations, you know, me going back to Africa provoked a lot of conversations because it made me dig into my family roots and history. And I started finding out I had relatives who had names that were actually Yoruba, but nobody knew it. At least nobody in my generation understood it. You know, I'm like, why? why? These are the same names that I'm hearing in Nigeria. So I started looking for the correlations. Then everybody started telling me different stories. My elders started telling me about my grandfather being a medicine man, you know, and working with roots and all of this other stuff, you know, and I started, so at this point, you know how it is when elders feel like you're going to, the young people are going to throw away valuable history. Right, right. So they don't tell it. Yeah, they don't pass it on Mm -hmm. because they feel like you're going to, you know, you're going to waste it or you may marginalize it. Well, I wasn't that person. You know, I was like, I'm soaking it up like a sponge. I'm going so deep into the history. I'm asking every question that average people don't think to ask. And so I started to hear a lot of stuff. And my mother started coming to a lot of the programs that I was doing that deal with the ancestors. Mm -hmm. And she started telling a lot of the stories that she had actually forgotten about. But because the events provoked, just like this movie is going to provoke a lot of conversation. Mm -hmm. So I've been, you know, in 98, I started going back and forth to Nigeria every year, Uh, sometimes twice a year. I know two years ago, I went twice in, in one year. Um, and I got to experience Wakanda. You got to experience it. Huh? I, you know, it's mm-hmm. like it's one thing for us to be in this country and fight for all the things that were taken from us. It's another thing to go back and experience it, right? Because it made me say, "Oh my God!" You know, because I was already conscious-minded. I was so I was like, "This is what we lost. This is what is missing." You know, so the first place I went, I'll share this little story with you. I went to this place called the House of the Lords. Okay. And basically, it's this huge house that has this giant tree growing up the middle of it because there's no roof. And this is where all of the high chiefs and high priests and elders and all these people come to meet to have serious meetings or, or, or to deal with societal issues and things like that. Where they got this huge drum that sits in the corner. I mean, it's, it's, it's enormous. Mm-hmm. And this old man, he's built like Bruce Lee. Mm-hmm. comes in with this fabric wrapped around his waist, you know, and he got these big sticks in his hand. Mm-hmm. He hit this drum and it sounded like, Ooh. and and I'm sitting there with these, with a group of warriors called Balogoons. Mm-hmm. And Balogun is, is like a general. So I'm sitting with these generals and these spiritual soldiers, right? And I'm about to cry. They can see it on me. Mm-hmm. They said, Wale, do not drop a tear in this space. Do not do it. Right, because oh, really? they don't understand what I'm feeling at mm-hmm. this point, mm-hmm. but they know that something is happening to me mm-hmm. because I'm not from there. But I, I went through my rites of passage. I went through initiation rites so that I could be in that place. That's you, the only reason I have. That's the only way you there. get in there, right? right? Okay. When I went and that brother played that drum, and they started dancing around that tree, that did it. Huh? So when I saw that movie, all I could think about was be, that moment when I went into the house of the Lord. Wow, the house man. of those, the, what they call Ogboni House, mm-hmm. right? Which is a deep, uh, like a secret society. Mm-hmm. And so it's just, it was like, that was the beginning. That was literally the beginning of that journey. That's how my journey started in Nigeria. What year was that? When 98. In, in 98. Yeah. 
And from there, you stayed over there for a little while. How yeah, long were you over there? I, I, anywhere from two weeks to a month. Two weeks yeah, to a month. Each time. So you took in all of this cultural, no, finding out who you are. I was so hungry. Let me tell you hungry. how hungry I was yeah. to, to be reacquainted with our homeland. I was so hungry. I actually acquired malaria. Oh, right? you did? Because I said, I want to try every food. I want to go to every place. I want to experience everything as much as I can while I'm here. And you, and you got malaria. Yeah. Wow. But the beautiful thing about it, what? it was gone in a couple of days. That's right. I got it one other time. It came here and I was sick for two weeks. <laughs> yeah. Up, up here, huh? Yeah. But it was just, it was just, mm-hmm. it was, it was just amazing, man. I mean, it's a lot of stuff that I, you know, I share in this, in this program that's, you would consider phenomenal. It's no way, you know, stuff that I've experienced in Africa. And I'm like, wow, no wonder we see, we see, you know, it's like, imagine we reached the pinnacle of, technology and technology destroys us mm-hmm. and we go back to a simpler way of living mm-hmm. that's where that's where indigenous africa is at mm-hmm. so apparently we've already reached the pinnacle we had already reached the pinnacle of technology i mean even in even when you think about the pyramids there's pyramids in nigeria yeah even when yeah, you think of, yeah even mm-hmm. when you think about pyramids and nobody being able to understand technologically how, how we it, built them right right which that informs you that there was a time period when we were at our peak of technology and the decimation of that took us back to another place. Just think about black wall street, Mm -hmm. black wall street. We were at our pinnacle. Mm -hmm. Look at where we are now. Mm -hmm. You see, and we supposed to progress forward when actually it's almost as if time reversed and we went backwards. Mm -hmm. It's the same way, same way in Africa. We reached a, we reached, we reached a peak of technology and science destructive forces came in and a shift took place. So now we're looking at the, what we saw in, uh, in the film, you know, what the King was trying to prevent. If right. we go to war with the whole world, the whole world is coming after us. Mm-hmm. Well, the whole world came after Africa and they did surgery on Africa, on every part of Africa, renamed the countries, did all every, every place that it was colonized and destroyed our Wakanda, just like they restored Black Wall Street. Black, I mean, destroyed Black Wall Street. Black Wall Street was our Wakanda. Because we can't imagine what we would look like had it not been destroyed. That's true. That's true. And that's why it's so important to go back and get that history and that lineage. I mean, get all of that back, yes. you know, and pass that on through our that's generation. Right. So that's, so it won't be lost. Yeah. You know, and, and that's, that's the struggle I think we got going on. Yeah. You know, it's getting that information. Yeah. Well, man, being over there and uh, you were in Nigeria. Yeah. And you got a chance to go through the villages and go. And cities, see, the villages the cities. everywhere. And the thing about it is, this is what gets me about um, uh, the way media portrays over here. Right. Uh, countries in Africa, because when you see certain commercials and stuff like that, you always see the children with flies on them and stuff and broke down. You never see the beauty. They never project the beauty of Africa. That's right. You know, as far as its economic development is concerned. You never see that. I'll tell you you a story about that. One year I was in Africa and I was meeting with the minister of culture. And he said, you have to be careful of supporting aid, uh, Western aid to the United, to to Africa. Mm -hmm. He said, that's where that, those are incentive programs for corruption, but people don't understand it. He said, I'll give you an example. There was an area in northern Nigeria where they wanted to preserve a particular species of animals. 
Well, what they did is they got aid for that, and they took over 800 acres of land, relocated the people who lived in that area, who did had no knowledge of the region further north, which is more desert. Mm-hmm. So they they pretty much you either you either you either acclimate with the people who are already there if they're accepting of you, or because so it looks so you find just like you see the images in Africa, you see people in Africa. So how do you how do you live in Africa and starve? And you are the most industrious industrious. You understand the plant life. You understand everything else. The only way that happens is when you're relocated to a place you don't know. Mm-hmm. It's like taking somebody from the deep south and having them live in Canada. Right. You're not going to survive because the stuff you used to growing in Canada and in, in, in the deep south won't grow in Canada. You got to relearn climate. You got to relearn the plant life. You got to relearn the animal life so that you can survive just on a basic human level. That's what happens to human beings. So they take that funding, but they really take it so that they can acquire land. Well, that's what they want, of course, mm-hmm. right? And that and that money comes in. Uh, you got uh, everything is about incentives. The United States does the same thing. Incentive programs. You create incentive programs, which are actually corruption programs, because nobody has to monitor incentive programs. That's true. That's you know? so true. Wow. Yeah. Wow. And we need to be aware of that. Yeah. Because a lot of a lot of us don't know. No. You know, a lot of people don't know, and they just be giving hundreds of dollars. Oh, I'm gonna send this, and I'm gonna send that. You know, it's kind of like giving to the Red Cross and stuff right. like that. They got those programs where eighty uh, percent of that money don't even go towards where it's where it's supposed right. to go. You know, and things like that. Well, look here. Let's introduce some of our guests, man. Who All we right. got right here in the studio? We've got a beautiful family and stuff like that. So go ahead. All right. To my right, I have uh, Ifa Sheung. How you doing, my daughter? I'm good, I'm good. You good, you good? Yeah. <laughs> then I have Orisha B. Most people know her as or a lot of people know her as Christy Williams or Oyin. Yeah. Yes. And then I have my daughter, Ajay Olufemi. Hey. Yes. Hey. And she's yeah. the she's the, she's one of the youngest chiefs of our society. Okay, great, yeah. great, great. I see you uh um going around, you're taking your tribal queens with you. Yes. You yes, know, sir. and uh making things happen, man. You know, you're a brother, man, who's in our community. Who uh, one of the very few brothers that I know that really know a lot of African culture? Yeah. Who were born right here right. in the United States, but you know the culture, and um, uh, you are constantly always schooling. Yeah. You know, it's, it's like we're going to get you a school, man, <laughs> a, a building, or something, man, some kind of area where people can come and talk to chief. You know what I mean? Now tell everybody your African name. Okay. So. Cause people been asking me, they 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 stumble sometimes. You know what I mean? And I'm like, okay, man, okay, hold on. Say well, you say it. Tell our audience your African name. Yeah. Um. And I'm kind of I'm kind of uh, conflicted. You conflicted? No, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna tell it because I you know I go to a lot of places and uh, most Oyimbo or white people say. Mm-hmm. Um, well, all we know is his name is Chief. We don't Chief. really know his name, <laughs> yeah, but we right, know his right, name right. is Chief. Everybody, I like it that way. <laughs> you might but, not want to say it then. Huh? No, uh, I didn't advertise it. My, though. Title, right there. my uh, title is Alagba. Alagba. I, I got, got that part. And it's also Babalawa. So I have two titles. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, my Ifa name, my, my birth name, my lineage name is Egunwale Fagbenro Amushan. Right? Mm-hmm. My name is also Ifalodun. So when you go through certain rights in Africa, mm-hmm. let's say me and you belong to the same organization. Okay. All right. And they say, ah, your name, Bobby's name is Ayo. 
I okay. got I got plantation names. Yeah, so no, you, I'm just saying okay, we go into that. I, I got one of those too. Yeah, okay. okay? <laughs> so listen, uh-huh. when we go into a place, we all part of the same organization, and all I right. introduce you, and I say, ah, this is Ayo. They know your name means happiness, joy. Okay. Right. That means don't bring him no mess. Don't bring him no drama in his he's life. About happiness and he joy. about happiness and joy. Right. His life, he is born to be happy. Right. Yeah. So, so because people in the group know your name, uh-huh. they're less inclined to deal with you in a certain way. Mm-hmm. Because if you're unhappy, you can make everybody life miserable. Right. Gotcha. Okay. My name is Ifalo Doom. So when I go home and they, during certain festivals and they say, ah, Kini uh, Rukore, what's your name? My name is Ifalo Doom, right? That means born during the Ifa festival, born during the spirit of destiny, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, the festival for the spirit of destiny. So they know that I was born during a very special time, a sacred time. Right. So you get, you get some preferential uh-huh. treatment, okay. right? Yeah. Yeah. Like her name, Olufemi. You hear her name, you say, ah, that, that's one who was cared for by God. Uh-huh. God, God, God said, I'm going to personally make sure she go to earth and do great things, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. right? Then you have Arisha B. Christie. Arisha B., born of the Arisha, born of the forces of I nature. Know. I, I hear that, too. Right? That means she can go anywhere, Arisha, everywhere. Arisha B. Yeah, huh. she can bring. And people were saying Ar- Arisha B. <laughs> no, uh-huh. it's Arisha. Arisha B. Yeah, you know, Arisha B. Yeah. Which means. Or Ars B. You know what I mean? I hear that, too. Right. Uh, yeah. Uh-huh. So, so like in Africa, they would just say B. Mm-hmm. All right. But Arisha B. Born that was that's somebody born born by the forces of nature. That means she can bring a storm, she can bring common waters, right. she can bring a tornado, right. she can bring a hailstorm, she can bring the rain, she can bring a monsoon. Yeah. It's all about her mood. Yeah, right. You know, the Gemini. Yeah, the right, know. But anyway, yeah. I'm, I, I'm a Gemini, so I know. <laughs> <laughs> See, so uh-huh. you bring yeah. Up, yeah. Uh-huh. And you have Ifa Sheon. Tell yeah. them what your name means. Yeah. Tell it. Yeah, yeah. Tell us what your names mean. <laughs> okay. okay. Um. So Ifa means I thank Ifa. I thank Ifa. I thank Ifa. Ifa literally means God consciousness. Ifa, right. So I thank the consciousness of God. Uh-huh. Right? So we have so so names names have extremely big meaning in African culture. The, you know, because it, when you're in a social setting and people say, So my uh, my 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 rec, my first name given to me in Africa was Egunwale. That's the ancestor who has returned home. Mm-hmm. So when I come into the village and we go to the compound, they're like, ah, Eguwale. Everybody's yeah. dancing. Right. Waleo, waleo. You know, it's it's a celebration because yeah. they, they they know that I've reincarnated as an ancestor who came back home hmm. to Africa. Right? Because yeah. you know you got that myth. And I call it a myth because we make up, we create division. Yeah, we do. We make a choice to create uh, division. I'm a firm believer right? that. We make a choice to create division or unity. Mm-hmm. So when I go home, because I hear people say, well, Africans don't call themselves Africans. Yes, they do. Have you been home? Right? Mm-hmm. The distinction people do not understand. We were enslaved. They were colonized. Mm-hmm. But people underestimate what it means to be colonized. Like in the film when the girl said, colonizer. Everybody saw that. Yeah. Right. So uh-huh. that's real. Yeah. But it's something that just like how we kind of forget that we were enslaved and that we still suffer from some of the some of the damages of enslavement. Mm-hmm. Africa, it's the same way with Africans. Because mm-hmm. when I first, um, I think it was my second year to Africa, I went to the bank because I had to get some documents taken care of so I could get on, get a certificate of ethnicity and some other things. Mm-hmm. Went to the bank and the brother there, he was he went to Harvard in the U.S., came back, took his skills back to Africa. 
He said, why, did, why Nigeria? Why you pick this place? And I'm trying to explain to him, this is my roots. This is where I come from. I said, why would you not pick? Do you, do you understand how rich the heritage is here? So I started naming some of the sacred places in the country. He didn't have a clue. In the oh really in his own country what he was and it didn't it didn't it's surprise like, me it's kind of like Tulsa and Black Wall Street huh no, it, some of worse than ha- that some of them don't have a clue it's like Native Americans yeah like okay yeah not who even don't know who don't know right who don't have a clue well how to speak the language or people who call themselves Moors they don't know how to ask them more how to, if they know how to speak Indigenous language yeah you said you identify what tribe you think you belong to but it, it that's the that's the process of colonization that's the damage of colonization yeah. You know, so you deal with some of that. But, it, but the beautiful thing about that relationship we developed, the bank, they had the, the, the bank, the head of the bank, give them a car, come get us and take. And I, we took them on a tour and they owned they never been around to see. All major tribes took them to the palace of the king. Wow. In the biggest New place. learning experience for them. It was humongous. You know what I'm saying? It was mind-blowing. For me, it was the greatest experience ever because I never thought... I would get to go to those places. So we went to all the sacred temples and all the, the, the palaces. I got my book signed by the king, you know, all of this stuff. And it's like, wow, even in your own home. So people really un- underestimate the damage that colonization has had. Because I know Africans who, who really um, have a very isolated viewpoint about African-Americans in this country. So what are the viewpoints that you think that uh, you've been on the other side? What do they think about? Because, you know, I've heard this division, yeah. you know, amongst um, Africans born and raised and living in Africa. Mm-hmm. And you got uh, African-Americans here in the United States. And there's some division right there. What are some of the things that you think? Causes that conversation to take place. Well, I'm not. I'm not an African. I wasn't born in Africa. I live here in the United States. Yeah. This is where I'm from. And then I've heard. I've spoken to some Africans in the United right. States who say you're not full blood African. Right. You're not. You know. You. 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 Look at me, and they say, "Ooh, man, master got to your grandma." You know what I mean? So I'm just yeah. saying. You yeah. know, what are some of those type of? Uh, why well, you think it's like that? Well, like we said, we talked about myths. So let me start from the continent and come this way. Okay. From the continental perspective, when you go to school, when you first go to primary school, if you go, depending on whether you go to a Christian school right. or an Islamic-led school, mm-hmm. when, as soon as you go to school, the first thing they change is your name. That's why you have so many Nigerians named Peter and Simon and yeah, you, yeah. You notice Peter. that if you ever meet out uh, Henry, I, yes. I know a good friend named right because named Henry. A, a British name yeah, like right. the King Henry. Right. So they try to give them these prestigious names or a biblical name. So if you go to a Christian, if you if you come in primary school, which is elementary school, and you have you go into a Christian school, you automatically receive a name. That's the beginning of your indoctrination, your anti-African indoctrination. Right, starts at home. Same thing happened to the natives, native people here when they sent them to boarding schools. They wouldn't allow them to teach their language. They wouldn't allow them to do anything relative to their culture. So when they left boarding school, they didn't know nothing about they, their own people. Mm-hmm. So the same thing happens in Africa. If you go to Islamic school, they change your name to Ishmael or Rashid or whatever your name gets changed to. They change your name. They change your name. Whoa. They don't have a family that's in their own tradition. Aren't the tribes their own traditional values? West culture, 
most of I'm going to go to the or I'm going to go to the United States. The only way I can succeed in, that, in doing this is by changing my identity. So the brother has earth, right? And then you think of this religion. Religion is enemy to Africa, both here and there. Because I'm telling you now, the first time I had a second brother say to me, hey, what's on this? I have to get messed. Ooh. I was at the airport. Yeah. trying to get you know, Hey, what's up, my nigga? You know, my militant color. I realized. I said, you do you know what that means? He said, it means you're my friend. <laughs> <laughs> because when they see us utilizing that on the screen, it looks like over the Right. So they to the word itself. They just assume that this is a that they don't really hear. Screen. Unless it's on the, just on the screen. Right. Or music. They don't talk like that. Exactly. Right? Or music. You don't, yeah, have, right. you, don't, you don't have words. I want you to translate to that. Mm-hmm. But it's, it's on us, you know, it, it affects. There's no separate. That's true. You know, it extremely damaging. Very much so. You know, so when you, for example, me, or you American, you you got serious rights. Wow. Then they want to hear all the stories. Yeah, they yeah you big bang. Yeah, and because I've, I've, I've taken picture of Africa with me. Uh-huh. And they's looking like, you know, so if I take somebody that's, you know, tatted up, they just automatically assume you a baller. You a dope dealer. You the, you exactly the person I saw on TV. Really? I kid you not, man. The stereotype, that's not just TV to them. The, the idea is this is who you are. Uh-huh. Do you see any of the Western influence? Oh, there? man, yeah. I mean, God, and don't go Africa. to Victoria Island. There's a place in Nigeria, for example, uh-huh. called Victoria Island. You would think you're in one of the wealthiest places in the world. Who you? It's like trying to imagine. You've seen the roads in, on television shows in Africa. You know, they dirt roads or raggedy roads, and then you got them. But you got them places where you could drive a Ferrari. Yeah. And you see Africans driving them. Right. It's Victoria right. Island is That's like... The part that they don't show up. Yes. Victoria Island is like the West, literally. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, the, the finest areas of the West. It's, it's immaculate. So the Western Western culture and ideas are strong there. So it's like the cream of the crop. So 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 is there a division? Is there some cultural division? It's between class division. Class division. Yes, and and we cultural. don't fool with we don't fool with you guys. You guys don't it's fool no with us. It's no different than here. Really, same. Stuff, it's huh? no different. And that's why I say, if people only knew how much we have in common, right? They would the division gap would close so quickly. Because they would understand that people, Africans who are coming here are trying to assimilate into Western culture, but they're trying to assimilate into the best of Western culture. Mm-hmm. So that means if you and I don't reflect the best based on what I've seen on TV and everything else and what my parents have told me, don't associate with them because they, you look at them, they most, most of their people is in jail. Why do you think most of their people in jail? Because they don't do good. They don't understand the system of racism that we experience. I remember the first, man, my first year in Africa, 
was, was shocking. It was a serious culture shock to me because I didn't see no white people. I didn't experience white culture wow. on no level at all, at all. I didn't even see white people on TV. Ooh, you hear me? Mm-hmm. So when I, I was damaged because I had not seen white people since I left. And I never knew what it was like to not experience racism a day in my life. Pick one day. Zero racism. You don't experience no racism for one day. So the first time I drove a car, I snuck it. I said, I'm just take this car. I'm just going to drive around the corner real quick. I drove around the corner. And when I got back, I was crying. And they're like, Wale, Wale, what's wrong? What happened? What happened to you? I was like, nothing, man. I just, I've never gotten a chance to drive and not look in my rearview mirror. Even mm-hmm. when I passed the community security guard. And I thought, how much stress have I wasted as an innocent person? Stressing about whether or not a cop going to turn around or, and I'm looking for him if I don't see him mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. when I'm innocent. How much biophysical energy, how much spiritual energy have I put into that mm-hmm. that damaged me, that aged me, right? And I'm looking at my brothers and sisters in Africa. We talk about black don't crack. Mm-hmm. Here, go mm-hmm. to Africa. You can't guess nobody's age. You can't, huh? No. So I was like, so I had to explain to them what it's like in America. That was my first conversation. Mm-hmm. In America, life is so different. It's so different. I even rode on a black airlines when I went to Africa the first time. Mm-hmm. Air Afrique. It was mind blowing. You hear me? Uh-huh. Because I had black pilots, black airline stewards. I had all of that. Uh-huh. You know? Yes, yes. Mhm mhm mhm. Mhm. So yes. yeah, it was it was it was uh it was real shocking. Yes, it was very it's shocking. It was very shocking. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right, great. It right. was very shocking. Very so shocking. so you know, it's a lot to think about. It's a lot to think about. So we'll take a break. No. Well, keep on. All right. Let, let, all right. Let's let our guests get into the conversation. Yeah, that's a good idea. <laughs> Cuz I know you all have met some Africans at school and your college life. Your work life. Tell me some of your experiences. Shayun. Yes, sir. Um, just in general, like it, my experience with um. Yeah, just what what have your experiences been like? Um. Well, yeah. When I went to CCC, there's actually quite a few um, Nigerian uh, students uh, there, and they're just. I mean, they're excited. Most of them um, are going to school, you know, to be able to get their degree, and then. Um, most of them send money back to their families. Yeah, and yeah. so that was one of the things that was like really uh, surprising to me is that like their connection and tie to their family, like they don't abandon who they are right. or where they're from. Like right. everything that they do um, here is for their family. Right. And right. that's very different, I think, culturally than like how we are yeah. uh, here in America. I think it's some similarity um, because, you know, when you think about Western culture, Black people are the only people who do family reunions. Oh, that's true. You yeah. see what I'm saying? Right. <laughs> and people don't think about that because I've spent a lot of time trying to show people how much we have in common with African culture. And that in itself is African culture because people understand if you break ties to your root, what are you connected to? Mm-hmm. You know, which is why we kind of we, we're dealing with so much uh, family damage, you know, because whose name do you carry and all of this kind of stuff? Mm-hmm. What's your legacy? 
so that family that family idea is really important to African people, regardless of where we are. It's all about family, yeah. right? Yeah, it really is. That's what it's all about. So culturally, over there in Africa, do they? Uh, I'm pretty sure they have. Uh, you have to go through tribal initiations, right? Well, is that it's not a, most it's not, tribes? Is that what it is? Yeah, every. Well, I wouldn't even say tribe. It's it's um your ethnic group. Ethnic group. Yeah, and 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 you have. I mean. For example, our ethnic group is is Yoruba, and Yoruba have you have so many different dialects in one culture alone, right? And because you have Hausa, you have Fulani, the Igbo, the Yoruba, all of them are, are the ethnic groups that exist in Nigeria. What mm-hmm. was labeled as Nigeria now. Mm-hmm. So when and it's it's extremely diverse. So somebody in the northern region may not understand somebody's language in the southern region because the dialect is so different yeah you know just like going up way up north and then going way to the south louisiana right somebody from louisiana trying to talk to somebody in detroit yeah like right? like yeah yeah you I've know done that. yeah it's gonna be a, and you're like, what did he say <laughs> right right oh, what did he say? <laughs> what's the matter for you man what's going to be what we gonna make we're gonna make groceries yeah. Mom? Yeah. i'm like okay yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah i understand trust me yeah so you got a lot of dialectic differences but other than that the that universally the cultural aspects of family life spirituality all of those things are pretty universal Mm -hmm. you know it's like even when i went i expected you know because i know the battles and arguments here you know we 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 have conflict you have the conscious brothers in conflict at odds with the christian brothers and christian brothers at odds with the muslim brothers you know and everybody fighting and debating over who's right and all of that right man when i went to africa let me tell you in our compound, in my family compound. So like my, my elders, our lineage is a, a lineage of priests in a royal family. Mm-hmm. When, when sunset hit, you got the Christian ministers coming to the compound. You got, yeah. the, you got the uh, imams coming to the compound uh-huh. and everybody sitting together talking and discussing social dynamics and social issues, you know, uh-huh. all of this stuff as if, as if they don't even have any, any real other other real differences. Uh-huh. In fact, one brother told me he said, "Well, I, I only go to church because it's the social thing to do." The social thing. Yeah, it's like going to the club. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I was like, uh, "This is crazy, man." Yeah, right. You know? And that's uh, crazy. So, those are really weird dynamics. And then when I meet when I meet staunch Christians, like because I I met quite a few professors. Right. And when I tell them, you know, I say, what's your name? You know, I say, ah, oh, my name is Egumale Amushifagbiramusha. They know exactly what my entire name means. Mm-hmm. And they're like, ah, okay, my family is from Isheshe. Right? That means they practice traditional right. spirituality, right. The, uh, traditional practices. They want to brag now uh-huh. because I'm not just an American now. Right. I'm exactly. actually somebody who is steeped in the culture. Exactly. So when they say, when you hear Africans say, you can't call, you're not African. Right. They're not really talking about blood. Trust me. Believe me when I yeah. tell you that. Right. They're talking about how much do you know about your culture? Because it's been situations where I've been in the presence of other indigenous Africans, mm-hmm. and I've been more African than them. Mm-hmm. Right? So, And I'm speaking the language. And I'm like, your kids don't know the language? Let me introduce you to my children. And my children know how to physically mm-hmm. show respect because there are physical things you do, mm-hmm. and there are verbal things that you do. Mm-hmm. Right? Like... If I say, uh, go over there for a second and walk to me, right? She's going to show you a physical representation of how to greet an elder. Okay. Okay. She's walking in the house. 
Mm-hmm. All right, I'm saying, all right, Cabo, welcome. Okay. I said, I said, Kason. So you see what just uh, happened here? What just happened? What did I just experience yes. right there? So you see, how that she, was a greedy. That's right. right. You, but you see the physical thing she did. Mm-hmm. She bent over and touched the ground. That's an on, that's a that's an honorific symbol of saying. Oh, teach me. I honor the ground that you walk on. Uh-huh. Every child knows to do that in Yoruba culture. If they don't, it's because they have been successfully brainwashed by colonizers. But they will tell you your child is well mannered because you know how to physically greet and verbally greet. She just said, Kasong, good afternoon, Baba. Good afternoon, Father. Mm-hmm. You heard that in Panther. Baba. Baba, Baba is Baba. Yoruba. It's yeah. even used in India. Baba means father. Mm-hmm. So you have these dynamics, you have these cultural things that happen that help us sustain our identity. Mm-hmm. Right, because when you have your own identity, why you think why you think these white folks mad at Mexicans? Because they can't stand the fact that they speak their own language and they they can't do anything about and it. And they understand language is power. Yeah, it is real power. That's why I tell my kids when we get in spaces where we need to talk ourselves to ourselves about a particular situation, speak Yoruba. Don't speak no other language. Speak Yoruba. So even when my kids went to McLean, my older boys, I said when you go to school. You teach them your language. Speak your language. So you got kids hollering down the hallway. Bill! Bill this shot. You know what I'm saying? They right. saying all kind of stuff. And the teacher's like, what are they talking about? <laughs> right? So, Because I wanted them to infuse their ideas into their social system so that you can empower kids. Because when you give kids a sense of power and something that actually belongs to them, right? That's mm-hmm. why, why you think gangs do what they do create their own code languages and own sign languages because they understand language is power. When you can communicate amongst your own, that's empowering. Mm-hmm. But you take a people's language away from them. Yeah. Then you know, I control well, the circumference of and, your thinking. And, and that's what happened here in America. Yes. They took the language away from us and just kind of almost like took a eraser and took the brain and opened it up and just started racing. Well, it wasn't. You it know. wasn't easily done. Yeah, you yeah. know, because if you if you if you study the history of enslavement in the Caribbean, for example, because most people don't understand that a lot of the there were rarely Africans who came directly here. Mm-hmm. Mo, a lot, many of them went to the Caribbean islands in South America and right, you know right, different places exactly. like that because those were slave breaking grounds. So they so you, your tongue would get cut out to teach people to not speak the language mm-hmm. because they understood these people can speak and talk to each other. Then they banned drumming. Right. Well, that was signals. That's right. Because right. you could communicate with drums. Even right. In Yoruba land, we don't have like the drums I brought in. Those are mainly West African, like Ghana, mm-hmm. Senegal, places mm-hmm. like that. But in, in Yoruba land, for example, you have a talking drum that you hold under your arm and you have it, the ropes it, and you a, squeeze it. Yeah. yeah. It's speaking the language. You see what I'm saying? Right. So it's speaking the language, and and they understood these people are able to do what they do, and able to mess us up because they got they're coding. They got they got a language going on, something going on that's allowing them to communicate with each other. Mm -hmm. So that's why they had to break them there. Then you bring them here. Right. Break them there, and then bring them here. Now that we're here. Which we are here, you know, and uh, a lot of us uh, are more educated in culture than others. I mean, you know, you yeah. see that all the time. Yeah. And, and some people are still sleeping. You know, they're out here 
and don't want to even know, you know, but we got to keep continuing to spread that knowledge and that information. And then maybe they'll wake up one day, you know, because, you know, for me, uh, I'm not a Christian, yeah. you know, I'm not a Christian, you know, I don't, I don't do that no more, you know, I did right. it, I did it before. Right. And I, I discovered the untruths about it. After, and that's only through research and studying, right. you know, and, uh, oh, whoa, whoa, wait a minute, because I lived overseas for a little while. Right. And looking back at the United States from a distance. Yeah my eyes start opening up, you know, and I start seeing things that I was taught that's so untrue. Mm. And I said, wow. I mean, I was over there when Obama first got elected, you know what I mean? I did that, what they call an absentee ballot, yeah. you know, and I'm over there and in, in other countries and stuff. And I'm saying to myself, man, this is, this is just, this is just not right. Right. And I uh, ran into some brothers from Africa while I'm on the other side who started kind of educating me mm-hmm. about look Mr. Bobby you you know they point their fingers like look look all that falseness and all that fakeness that's going on and they were trying to be true to where they was and one brother his I was real close to him his name was Henry mm-hmm. and he was from Nigeria right and he said he was telling me about just some of the things that you're telling me right now and I said yeah man wow I didn't know this mm-hmm. I mean I really didn't I had to be honest yeah and I didn't know this you know and um uh, he said, you would be, he looked at me and he says, you would be considered a lot, mulatto, uh, uh, what's the oh, Yimbo. Yeah, right. As a light-skinned mm-hmm. brother. And I was like, wow, man, I didn't know that. And then we got to talking and stuff like that. So every day I was seeing him because I was working with him as well, you right. know. And he says, when you go to Nigeria, man, one of the greatest uh, places that you could go to, you got to be careful. Yeah. That's what he said. You would have to be careful yeah. because you're from America yeah. and some of them will get you. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I said to myself, what you mean will get me? He said, brother, you just got to be careful. Yeah. Who you hang with and who you're with. Right. <laughs> because everybody, everybody's uh, over there don't have your back. Yeah. And I said, well, that's what's going on in America. Exact same, same exact, thing. Same exact thing. Exactly. Because same he's thing. thinking that, wow, go to America, man, it's gonna be like, ooh, ooh, ooh. I said, man, it's like what you think it is, you know. So you know, what? I had to explain that as well. They talk about, um, you know, you, I remember getting a lot of in my travels where people talk about scam alerts and yeah, like right. That. You right. know, I just be like, really? Yeah. And but, cafes yeah, and but all this that. is what I know. Yeah. Those scams. The technology, the ideas, don't originate in Africa. Yeah, these are people who have gone to gone abroad, other places, to Britain, to Germany, to the United States, to China, and learned mm-hmm. the same systems of cheating, scamming, hacking, and they just simply bring it back home and try the same stuff abroad. Right. They just took what was going on in other parts of the world and did it where they are. Mm-hmm. If you take a if you take a community that suffers economically because of corruption, right? Look at our community. Mm-hmm. Africans who come here say, how in the world is it possible that you can be in America and North Tulsa does not reflect the image of South Tulsa? Mm-hmm. How is that possible? And you say, this is a free and fair and just country. So when an African asks me that, 
Mm-hmm. I say you should have thought about that before you came here, mm-hmm. but you fell for the illusion. It's so so grand, right? You fell for that illusion, and you thought you were going to receive certain benefits that you don't receive, right? So mo- that's one of the reasons most most indigenous Africans live in isolation, right? We're, they out in Broken Arrow, Jinx, Glenpool, all communities, mm-hmm. right? In isolation. Because they understand there is a cultural difference. So some of the stuff that they suffer, we don't suffer. Some of the stuff we suffer, they don't suffer. Mm-hmm. But it's cultural, right? But on a social level, you you all are classified as niggas. That's it. Nigga, nigga, nigga. Right? Oh. And mm-hmm. they experience it in those professional places, mm-hmm. right? Which is why a lot of them are so, they have a real strong determination. So they they're more inclined to set up their own clinic because they realize. Look, I didn't come out. So, so that black Wall Street mess way of life is very strong over there in Africa, right? Yeah, I mean, you, you go to look. This is one of the things I love about being in Africa. From the bush, everybody got some form of commerce. It's only those people who give up on traditional way of life who try to go live in a city and become bums, right? Because mm-hmm. they done made the disconnect gave up all their family land or did something stupid, ridiculous, because they thought they could come to the city and try to live that Western lifestyle. And they mm-hmm. find out that, that you can't do that if you're uneducated, you don't have the means to survive. You, it's the same as here. How many people you think went to L.A. trying to be a star end up on Skid Row? That's true. I know. New York, I, New York I've too. I've seen a bunch of them. Right, New York too. It's the same, it's the same psychology, mm-hmm. right? And most of them become broke because they didn't burn all their bridges, leave, trying to leave, and they give up certain things that the traditions or family system. You know how many people sold land, family land, just to go north? Mm-hmm. You ain't got nothing to go back to. Everybody else mad at you because you, you sold family land and they had to go live on their own. Mm-hmm. So it's just it's, the similarities are so striking that it's not until you go home and you experience people who are not trying to run from culture, people who are not trying to run from their their traditions and their values. Because one thing I love about Nigeria, I don't care what anybody says about Nigeria, Nigerians are the most ethnically proud group of people I have ever experienced. Mm-hmm. Right. And I'm serious about that. They don't I remember I when I had to sign the census one year and they were talking about um uh, the US Clinton was president and Clinton was trying to get Nigeria to accept vaccinations of uh, uh, med- medical aid. Mm-hmm. And the headline in the newspaper was saying that the Nigerian president said, we don't want anything that comes from the U.S. or Britain because we will be medically colonized again. It's a certain, it's a certain, it's a, it's a deep sense of pride in Nigeria that, you know, I just haven't experienced in other places. Not to say they aren't as proud, but it's just different. And I think depending on who colonized you dictates your experience, you know, because in Nigeria, they were, Brit- they were colonized by the British. Mm-hmm. You know, in the West, uh, right. Ghana, the place like that was colonized by the French. So it just, I think it di- it's dictated by who you were colonized by. That kind of, it just kind of helps you understand your experience different and what kind of battles took place in those areas. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, ladies, let's get it from a lady's perspective also. Uh, tell us a little bit about your experience. I mean, uh, uh, Chief is right here. So just uh, Chrissy, uh, you know, y'all get in now and get in on the conversation. How do you feel and how have you become awakened 
You know, I'm gonna say, well, is that the word I want to use? Awaken, <laughs> you know, uh, woke, reconnected. Uh, you know, reconnected with roots, you know. And where did it start? Um, well, for me, it actually um, started um, with my father, um, and I say that because um, growing up in Philadelphia, where my dad's family is, um, they had, yeah, they had already went back. This was before. We see the uh, what's his name who does the Find Your Roots uh, oh, guy on television on PBS that comes Henry Louis oh, Henry, Gates. Yeah. yeah, right. Um, so even before that, um, I have an aunt who who was a genealogist in, in Philadelphia, and she went back and traced our family history before I was even born. So we we found out that our that our family actually started from a lady named Amanda Moore. Um, who was uh, who came from Africa? Didn't know what part of Africa, but that she came to. She went to Jamestown and into South Carolina mm-hmm. uh, at the age of sixteen, mm-hmm. and so that's where our family began here from my, on my father's side. So we have always honored our ancestors, but I didn't know at the time that that was actually African culture. Um, so okay, so this. This summer marks our 60th year uh, family reunion. They, they've done this for 60 years. And we actually go to, we're, we're going to go to South Carolina this year, the actual place where the was. And we gather there and we stay there for a weekend. And we actually go, we pray over the, 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 the space where she was. I've done this as a child. I never knew that that's what I was doing was African culture. Mm-hmm. So we don't just get together and have a barbecue. Mm-hmm. My family has actually always taught our culture. Um, and we have a family crest. And on the family crest, it has a shield, a sword. There's symbols, there's symbols from Africa and symbols here um, that reminded us of, of where we've come from. Sure. But like I said, I never knew that that was African culture. That I, that I was learning, and my dad's family is is just a bunch of educators. They are the PhDs and okay, things like that. Yeah. So they always wanted our family reunions to not only just be a joyous time, but a time for learning all together as a family about who we are. And then so also coming up in the African Methodist Church, um, which I had, I, I mean, I, I had a, a, a crazy conversation with someone here about African Methodist because of my. My the African Methodist Church that I come from, Mother Mother Bethel is one of the first African Methodist churches in the in this country, and so um, it's it's very different and it's very rooted in African culture. Mm-hmm. Um, so those things kind of opened the door for me. But when I when I when I really got to know Chief, that was some years ago. He gave me just a little bit. Mm-hmm. A little bit, a little bit here and baby, there, huh? baby food. A, a, a little okay. bit here and there, just out here working in the community, and then I, then I found out that we were um, family through marriage, um, which was crazy because I was like, damn, I had this connection, <laughs> you know. But um, and and so when I really, really, um, when Chief really let me in and and taught me um, all about African culture, it totally changed my life. Your process, okay. my my. My whole perception, um, mm-hmm. you know, what 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 I thought I didn't know, 
Uh, <laughs> you know, I did. I mean, it, it it just totally changed me, and I really understood why I had went through what I had through as a child. It 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 just brought it this full full you know to the whole uh, circumference for me. Mm-hmm. Um, so I use that into what I do today. So even when I'm out here in the community. Um, <laughs> and yeah. learning so it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's totally different than how I approached it before because before I was just sick of these white folks and yeah. blah 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 uh-huh. blah 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 uh-huh. and I was just, you were just, just militant with it yeah huh? and oh, you know yeah. so, I gotta watch me too so, like, <laughs> I understand so, mm-hmm. uh, so, so learning my culture mm-hmm. actually changed that whole perspective for me on that level too so now Sometimes I feel isolated in some in some ways because I see things that a lot of people don't get to see in the mm-hmm. um in, in those circles. So sometimes it's hard for me. Sometimes it gets a little lonely because somebody may have an idea where I'm totally like that is just not where we to go mm-hmm. that I have to listen to and and um you know, but but just to go back to Chief, like I say, that Chief has totally changed my life. I even wrote a book about that experience. Um, that I had went through with Chief that really. Y'all um, need to write a book. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. It need a book need to be wrote. You know. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. because he that experience. You know. Yeah, because my my, my journey back to roots. Under- huh? Yeah, <laughs> and, and uh-huh. I, I understand where I came from, and I understand where I'm going. And so, you know, when you know where you're going, um, it's the the whole take on life. Mm-hmm. So life is just mm-hmm. different. It is just totally different, which is why um, I really wanted us to be a part of the African American Affairs Commission. Mm-hmm. Here because, in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Yes, yeah. because culture is so important. We don't realize, um, you know, you can ask, you, you can get 20, 20 black folks in the room and you ask them what culture is, they're all going to give you a different definition. Mm-hmm. But culture is the foundation to all things, mm-hmm. it, it it is it's the code, it's it, it, it's morals, it's the, it's the values, and that's one thing that we don't have as black people in this country. So, to me, we can always to we we can sit here all day and talk about economic development, talk about healthcare, mm-hmm. talk about community development, um, jobs, the whole nine. But if we don't know who we are, huh? If if you don't have that culture, it's mm-hmm. like a house with no walls. Mm-hmm. Because how can we understand economic development when we we don't even understand uh, group economics, mm-hmm. which is culture based? Mm-hmm. And so those those things are important. Mm-hmm. So what do you other ladies feel? How do you all feel about it? Um. Well, of course my my thing is different just because I grew up. That's my dad. So I yeah, grew right. up in a house that was already culturally yeah. there. You were you know? there. Right. Yeah, you you were always or you were awake. You weren't sleeping. Okay. <laughs> right, right, right. But, but I remember maybe around twelve or somewhere in that age, I remember coming in the in my um dining room and my dad was on the phone and he was watching Uncle Tom's Cabin, right? Mm-hmm. So I, I sat down and I started watching the, the movie. And when I watched it, I looked back like, am I supposed to be watching this? Because it was so, yeah. you know, it was showing a lot. And mm-hmm. I just oh, looked back. Oh, she's talking about it. Farewell. Okay, yeah. Farewell, Uncle Tom. Yeah, sorry. Okay. Yeah, that's what it was called. Farewell, Uncle Tom. Oh, so I wish real. I could say that to a lot of people. <laughs> <laughs> it was so real. And I was just like, am I supposed to be sitting there watching this? And he didn't say nothing. Mm-hmm. So I just sat there and watched it. 
And I think after that, I was just like, okay, this is really real. Like, yeah. You know, it ain't no joke. Because mm-hmm. in school, all you got was the, you didn't get the depth of slavery. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And the um, the psychological damage that it did. So mm-hmm. in school, I was I was getting taught something totally different from when I was getting taught at home. Mm-hmm. But I always knew what I'm getting taught at home is what's real. Mm-hmm. What the white teachers is telling me it ain't what it is. It ain't what it is, mm-hmm. right? So, and you know, just growing up, uh, having friends that were Christians, having friends that were mm-hmm. on a totally different path. Of course, they're long gone now, but mm-hmm. I would always. Was it, was it a struggle for you? Like in school, you are you got all of this cultural history mm-hmm. and all this knowledge. You got your dad there. You're being fed the real mm-hmm. about you. When you went to school, were you looked upon any any ways different? Mm-hmm. You know, compared to your your peers, yeah, your, in your belief systems and things like yeah. that. Yeah, but I I think it was the, the good thing about it was that I learned the right and I learned the wrong. You know, so. I learned how to do things, how to not do things. I learned even going to church with my grandma or some of my friends, I learned how that damage that damage is, you know, very big. Yeah. I learned how that happened. So so if you would go to if you would go to church with your grandma right. and she's believing in one thing and your dad maybe I'm just saying, maybe mm-hmm. teaching a different thing, mm-hmm. how did you balance that out? How did you deal with that? You know, how did you you know, decipher and say which one was right and which one was wrong, was was wrong or were you already knew you were just going with grandma just to appease her well i mean i just it didn't make sense to me you know the bible it didn't make sense mm-hmm. and even, but you're going with your grandma now right, over yeah, there I'm the church right yeah, and yeah. she's got the bible right, right and she's got it open and mm-hmm. talking about mark luke james and all <laughs> all them dudes right there you know right. you know that i had to understand that too you know that uh uh, 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 I had an experience when I was overseas to some guys who were from Egypt and Jerusalem and we were having this conversation. And I was in church and I had the, the Bible and you know and I was all like, yeah, and I was Father, Son, Holy Spirit, you know, and I was all hollering all that kind of talk and stuff like that. And he said, Mister Bobby, you you come from baby country, America, baby country, you guys. You only have 66 books in the Bible, and you we have hundreds of uh, Bible books. They interpreted this Bible and gave it to you, and blah, 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 and such and such. Where's the book of Maccabees? Where's the book of Enoch? Where's the mm-hmm. book of so-and-so? And blah, blah, and he kept going on. And I said, well, that's the book they gave me, you know? <laughs> you know what I mean? I said, that's the book they gave me. They said, oh... King James version of the Bible, he interpreted our word his way and gave it to you guys his way. Right. And and I had to start stopping, start thinking about it. Now I was a little bit more consciously black than than a lot of brothers here in the yeah. states. You know what I mean? Because my daddy and all right, that, right. we come up like oh <laughs> with it, you know. And that was a struggle for me. So I was asking you, like in reference to your grandmother, because my grandmother was stuck right there too she was a bible thumper well see I, I, my mom was not a thumper yeah well see my grandmother yeah. my grandmother was a bible thumper right you know and what i mean by that it was all everything was always about the bible yeah oh baby come in there sit next to me on my bed. let me read you a scripture mm-hmm. of today take this to your friends and you know that's the way it was yeah, yeah. 
You know, so I kind of grew up in that era. Right. Yeah, I'm a little older than y'all, yeah. and a lot of that that, that blue eyed, blonde haired Jesus was right yeah. next he to was, Kennedy. He was next to Kennedy, <laughs> next yeah. year, right next to Kennedy. And them white men was up there. You walk past there, you be all nervous and stuff like, oh, yeah. watch what I say, you know. That and, can yeah. be um, very challenging. I know from 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 my experience, um, like I said, growing up in the, Afri- in the African Methodist Church in Philadelphia, um, I never even seen a blue-eyed Jesus, white, blonde hair. I didn't see that. Mm-hmm. But I did see a black one. Mm-hmm. And not only did I see a black one, they made them African. Right, right. So um, there's there's pictures of Jesus in, in, that, in that church today where he has an African outfit on. Mm-hmm. And just so, and, and, Richard Allen, who created the African Methodist Church, his yeah. body is still in that church. Mm-hmm. And and you honor him when you walk into the church. Mm-hmm. So you're, it's, um, it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's a total different experience. Now, my mother, she always felt that that was crazy. It was wrong because, you know, she was from here and she was a Baptist. So she always felt that that was uh, the wrong way to, to display Jesus, huh? and it was blasphemy. But my father was like, "Look, if we're gonna if we're gonna do this, my kids and we coming up in African Methodist, and that was the, and she followed his lead. But she always still felt like this is just not the right way. It's not the right way. So, um, and even uh, in my adult life, I with my mother, you know, going to her church um, here. Um, it, it, it's totally different. Now, I, I still respect people who do have different, um, you know, um, spiritual experiences, I should say, or beliefs. beliefs. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and when you really look at it all, sometimes you can look at it and say, you know, that's African, especially mm-hmm. when you see them in, and when you look at not, mm-hmm. not from a biblical sense, but from a spiritual sense, There you go. um, from the drums, Mm-hmm. From the dancing, <laughs> um, you know, and so they don't get that connection of it. And so a good thing was like last night I went to the Out of Africa event. It's a great event, and they're really bringing awareness to Alzheimer's. That's where the proceeds went to because seventy percent of African Americans today are uh, have Alzheimer's. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there was nothing African about it though. And it was so crazy because the only part that was really, I mean, I don't want to say African, but close to it was an Indian woman who mm-hmm. got up and spoke and she, she did a prayer in her dialect. And I can't remember what it was called, but she said, she's not a singer, but you have to, to say this piece in song. And then she explained what it meant. And it was a prayer um, mm-hmm. saying that, you know, we, um, it, it was about love and just mm-hmm. blessing everyone and sending them home safe, like mm-hmm. what we do, mm-hmm. but it was, it was just that way. And so when she told, she said, you know, in India, and I forgot the thing, what, what, what it is that they pray to, but it's the elephant with the oh, trunk okay. that mm-hmm. goes up. Mm-hmm. And those Shiva. Christians almost choked when she said that they pray to the elephant with his trunk going up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And she said, but what that means is they ask God to remove obstacles. The trunk mm-hmm. is to remove obstacles out of their way. Mm-hmm. And so, but and those Christians look like, 
Oh, like that's he, adultery, he, you know, you know, blasphemy. Yeah, you know, <laughs> but it meant, but the trunk represented a different part of God. Yeah, and you know how we talk how God has different representations. Mm-hmm. Um, that mm-hmm. they thought, oh my God, but you can never that. So those experiences for me are different, and also because I feel like I can sit in a space with Christians. Mm-hmm. And I can appreciate some of the songs. I can appreciate the prayers. And just out of respect, I do that. But I don't get up and just be like, oh. Mm-hmm. So well, something you're yeah, the yeah. most judgmental. Well, you know, you know, you know, you know what? I was uh, in church and I was, uh, I did a good 14 years of ministry. Oh. And I was all in the church, had keys to the church, all of that to the church. And I'm thinking about my grandma and her teachings and, oh, the Lord this and the Lord that and all of that, and then on one half, on the other half, my dad is in my head, you know, that part, so I got split decisions, you know what I mean, in my walk, and um, sometimes when we're sleeping, when we're sleeping, we just don't have a, a conscious mind to really receive the truth, and we won't go and investigate, right. yes. investigation, you know, of the truth, you know what I mean? We won't do that. And when we don't do that, then we get set in a certain mindset, Mm -hmm. you know, we're in that certain mindset and we're only going by what our elders have taught us. And that's it. We're not going to go astray to that belief system. And I had to find out a lot of it is, is taught and it's tradition and it's, it's hogwash and a bunch of brainwashing Mm -hmm. and just a bunch of, nonsense the foolishness and ignorance you know what i mean and i had to i had to understand that and once i understood that i gave the keys back you know Mm -hmm. and i started pushing away from all of that trying to get my brain you know unwashed of all of this foolishness and truth and once i started doing that i started seeing some being i was able to start seeing me grow Mm -hmm. as being real being around people like yourselves Mm-hmm. Getting the knowledge, the true knowledge that you need to make yourself mm-hmm. a, be- a better person. Now I look at it like, wow, man, that's why I say I'm not a Christian. Mm-hmm. You know, that Christianity stuff don't work for me. It may work for you, but it, and I respect who you are and your your belief system for what you choose to be. But I know where I'm at. Mm-hmm. I'm a spiritual man. Right. The most yeah. simplest questions can bring you so much, um, can, can provoke a lot of thought. Um, you know, just who did uh, our, I'm not, I hate trying not to say slaves, but who did enslaved Africans pray to before they came here or before they were brought t- here? You know, and when you ask that simple question, who did they pray to? And, yeah, why, was really? the, yeah, and why was the first slave ship named the good ship Jesus? Mm-hmm. That's to enslave you. Why did they cut out the mouths of all the African priests before they put them on the ship? Why? I mean, you th- those simple questions. And a lot of people know the answers to them. They just don't want to dwell that deep yeah, into we, it. We do. A lot, you know, and there's a lot of us that know some truths, but we don't want to acknowledge those truths and really look at it. I, I mean, I've put some pastors on the spot. You know, I'm just talking because we tell it our way and I I put some on the spot about uh, belief systems and stuff like that and gave them questions that they can't answer, you know, but they continue on to live and do what they do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's, that's, uh, you know, going back to my daughter and her, her grandmother, mm-hmm. that's one of the things that, uh, one thing I can appreciate about my mom is she never pushes her ide- ideas or beliefs on us. Mm-hmm. In fact, she shares the cultural, she shares in our cultural events, mm-hmm. you know, whether it's ritual or whatever it is, you know, she's a big part of those, of that dynamic, you know, she's a big part <laughs> of that scenario. So, um, you know, it's like no pressure. You know, my mother is highly respectful. Mm-hmm. I shouldn't even say respectful. My mother values African oh, yeah. traditional belief system, right? Mm-hmm. In, in, uh, in her mind, it doesn't conflict with her going to church. You know what I'm saying? It doesn't conflict with any of those things. So it's like when we have our ritual ceremonies, my mother's there. She's there to oh. tell her story. She's there to honor the ancestors. She's, she's a part of everything that we do. And then she'll go to church on Sunday, you know what I'm saying? But she makes sure that even in church, they recognize or acknowledge her relationship to her people and to African culture. So it's really beautiful in that regard. You know, um, the, it's funny because the dynamic that me and Oyin have, because people who want to ask me questions will ask her questions. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I don't know what is it that, is. is that what know, like, okay. I think they're scared to go get sucked in real quick. You know? <laughs> like, oh man, if I talk to them, I know I'm going to be convinced it's going to get hypnotized and it's done. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. You know, that's but pretty uh, good. that's pretty good. Yeah, they ask me all the time. I, I'm, I'm like the, the, the go-to to when they want to get to tea. Yeah. And they come. They gotta go go. Yeah. What's the most popular question? Do he believe in God? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, I get that all the time and, too. And, and she yeah, always saying, not only do I believe in God, I know God. Yeah. And I love, I, I love that answer. And I, and it, it's strange that people always ask that. Like my mother thinks what we does is wait. You know, out, there. out there sometimes and but it's so funny because now like even with um my shrine of my ancestors that I have at home um you know one day I came in and uh my mom loves beans and cornbread I, I can't I cannot eat beans and cornbread you can't but, do her, no beans, huh? but her father loves beans and cornbread so she had beans and cornbread on the shrine and I said who put that there she said Oh, I just gave my daddy some beans. He needs, mm. he likes beans, <laughs> and so she, you know, so she sees that. And um, what what's so strange to my son's friend Damola, and they're from um from Nigeria, and so when I come home and if he's already there, he greets me just how you saw a uh, Taylor greeted Chief mm-hmm. um when she come in, and so it's like. Wow, and and when my son my son was just over there the weekend before last over uh the Mullah's house because it was his birthday and they they stayed over and all his brothers came and so he said the house is full and he said and he loves his uh, the Mullah's mother's cooking and <laughs> he said they cook so much food and oh, so boy. he said when you go to go in the house it is so um he said it's he's never been to Africa but he said it's like being in mm-hmm. Africa, and so he said some of the the words he picked up that he's learned from Chief and from us, you know. But he said they say it so fast, mm-hmm. but he catches some of the, you know, the the, the words right, um, right, that right. come through. But yeah, so wow, yeah, um, you know, going back to the myth thing, yeah, uh, myth. Let's talk about that. You know, with, yeah, because I, I as I watched Black Panther, I thought a lot about the message that they're really trying to give us or that he, that he was trying to give when the, when the comic book first came out even. Mm-hmm. So it made me think about the resources in Africa. Mm-hmm. Um, what is it? Vibranium in the movie. 
right? Mm-hmm. Right, right, right. That's the, that was like, that had yeah. me all intrigued because right. I was thinking gold and silver and rubies. Well, see, that was like, even those that are, was like, oh, real deep right there. And see, you now know? those are the least precious. Right. Right. Of, of, of resources or right, minerals exactly. in Africa. Like, uh, you know, I, I, after I, well, before I watched the movie, I started thinking about, because I kept seeing this thing about vibranium. And I started looking up stuff like uranium and coltan. You know, in the Congo, coltan is that is a resource that's so rich that now all mobile phones, laptop computers, pages, and other electronic devices use col use coltan mm-hmm. as a coltan. Right. Yes, as exactly. as one of the resources for those products. So when you think about the technology, the resource technology in Africa, it's serious, and that's just one that affects everybody globally. Right. Right. And then you got uranium, cobalt. You see what I'm saying? You got all of these different resources that exist. Richest continent in the world. Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. So you look at that idea of having been colonized and and it's just so many different things that we think about, you know, or that we need to think about. So I'll just talk about some of the things that people ask me the most. Yeah. Well, look here, man. We're going to take a little break. Okay, cool. And we're going to come back and we're going to get on them drums, man. And we're going to do some... uh, some cultural music and stuff like here right. on the show. Want you guys to keep in mind that hey, you're on the Bobby Eaton show, and this is where we tell our stories our way. And we'll be right back, so stick around. What's up, Jerry?
Bobby Eaton Show, where we tell our stories our way. Little Sun Goddess by Earth, Wind, and Fire, featuring Ramsey Lewis. Hey, we're back on the show, and uh, we're talking about a lot of African-American history and African culture and the myths you know, that go along with that. And uh, we got Brother Chief in the house. Chief, 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 what's going on with you, man? You got it. Yeah, Hank got your back. So, got some. so tell us a little bit. You're about to perform uh, uh, something for us on the on the African drum, and uh, we want to know exactly what are you getting ready to do. Go ahead and uh, uh, we're just gonna. I'm gonna I'm gonna give a demonstration of what happens when um, I go to a chief's meeting, like in Africa. Okay. Because, again, a lagba is a chief's title for an ancestral society. That's the head or elder of an ancestral society. So they usually they usually sing a song to welcome in the the head of the ancestral society, the Alagba. Uh, before I start that, this drum that I'm that is in front of me is called a djembe. Um, this drum that Ajay is playing, Olufemi, is called a junjun. Mm-hmm. All right, and this is made of cow skin. This one's goat skin. So we're gonna um, we're gonna play a little something. Uh, and I'll sing the song that they yeah, sing whenever, yeah. oh. whenever a uh, whenever a, a person who has my title comes into a particular setting. Okay. okay? 
Great. All right. So just imagine yourself walking into a village. Those of you who are listening on radio, imagine yourself walking into a, a, a sitting in a meeting space, a traditional meeting space, and the head of the ancestral society walks in. So everybody will start clapping. Alagba, 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 alagba. Everything, you know, people 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 make joke about uh, Yoruba language because everything that people say it end with an O. Mm-hmm. So they say like <laughs> Baba O, Babio, my friendo, come to my house O. You know, it, everything got, got an O. Yeah, on because it, they they really speak with a lot of excitement uh-huh. and a lot of passion when they speak. Uh-huh. You know, so like uh, when Sherry walked in, I would say Ah, Aremio, uh-huh. my friend. My friend, my friend, oh, gotcha. yeah, because you always oh, like an excitement explanation mark, oh, right? It just means okay. you really mean it. Educators, yes. Man. Mm-hmm. So, um, but like I said, I just we just said a log by a log by the elder, the head elder, uh, Baba Mio, my mm-hmm. father. Mm-hmm. So, it's just a welcoming song for that log. So, that a lot of respect for elders, yes, most definitely the elders. The seniority huh? is everything, even amongst children. So, let's say you got siblings and you have a senior child. That senior child is like a father because to the other other children. Mm-hmm. Seniority means a lot. It has a lot of uh, it has a, a strong presence in African culture. So in every aspect of that culture, you have a strong sense of understanding about elderhood, regardless of gender. Gender does not matter. It doesn't right? matter how. And that's one of the other unique differences about African culture is you don't have the exclusion like like me being a uh, chief in an ancestral society. Ancestral society is a men's society, but it has a female wing to it. Because in African culture, they believe you can't do anything without women. Mm-hmm. Right? So even my counter title, the person who's counted, she's a, she's a junior chief. Mm-hmm. Because when she gets older, because she lives in my house and it's her destiny to know a lot of things that most people will never know, she carries the title Otun, Otun Yagan, right? Which is the lieutenant chief. Right, but she, gotcha. she's like an apprentice, mm-hmm. right? You carry these titles, but but those positions work inside those cultures because if let's say we have a formal meeting, and we need the intuitiveness or the insight of a female, right? Because women can see things that men cannot. That's see. That's true. I agree with that. Right? So they will invite you know? a female chief into mm-hmm. the space because she has the ability and insight to see things that. A man will not see because men, when when men are in these settings, we have to be. We're trying to be intellectual mm-hmm. about the things, we're, so we're less inclined to be fluid or feminine in our understanding about things. Female intuition, the, utilizing those abilities. So we understand if you want insight and you want to see something that you can, otherwise can't see, you bring a woman into the space. Yeah, and you give her a title and position. She'll be able to see it. Right. So, mm-hmm. in fact, they don't even view that woman. As a, as a woman, they'll call her, they'll, t- they'll treat her like she's another man in a man's society. Mm-hmm. You know, the same respect that you would give to another man. So the, even the value is different. You know, how they perceive is different. It's just a real deep sense of uh, tradition and culture. Mm-hmm. Um, 
we'll sing another song. This is um yeah. This is kind of diasporic. Uh, you know, as, as you know, if you if you ever go to Brazil, they have what they call macumba or lucumba. Mm-hmm. Macumba, um, lucumi. If you go to Trinidad, been to Trinidad. You have. I've been down there. Yes, you have yeah. lucumi tradition. Yeah, yeah. If you go to Cuba, you have Santeria, lucumi. All of those are offshoots of Yoruba in, uh, spiritual belief systems. Right. Because when you go to all of those places, they all call on the same deities as the ones in Nigeria. Every one of those locations. I went to Jamaica. They have a place called Abilkuta. That's where my family lives in Nigeria. Look it up. Mm. Google Abilkuta. It means under the rock. Same place exists in, in uh, Jamaica. Wow. Yes. So all of those traditions. So, so the song we're going to sing is called, uh, uh, it means come and dance. Come and dance with the spirit of, of playfulness, the spirit of the crossroads. Mm-hmm. All right. And it's Kenny Kenny Joe Legba. Okay. All right. Kenny Kenny Joe Legba. Kenny Kenny Joe La Roya. And if you, if you know this song, you have to sing if you're in this space. Yeah. If y'all right. in here, come on with it. All right. Because it, it takes two. So you got to do the response. Mm-hmm. All right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Kitty, kid. Oh, that's right. Shayon is here. Come on up here, Shayon. Yeah, come yeah. On. Yeah, come on up and get yeah, in the mix. Yeah. Put your cutie down. <laughs> <laughs> Got it? Yeah. Don't need you by that mic. All right. Yeah, right. Let <laughs> me cut that mic up a little bit. Get the volume on that mic. All right. <laughs> Kenny, Kenny, Joey, leg by Kenny, Kenny, Joe, La Roya. Kenny, Kenny, Joe. Kenny, Kenny, Joey. Leg by Kenny, Kenny, Joe. La Roya. Kenny, Kenny, Joe. Hey, I go a leg by. Hey, I go a leg by. Hey, I go a leg by. Then I go in leg by. We're calling you. We're asking for your attention. Kenny, Kenny, Joe, let's let's dance. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. so it's a real festive, celebrative song to open the way for ceremonies, open the way for events. 
Mm-hmm. You know, we want to always open the way. That is, so, you know, so so good, so, so any any African event, when African events start, traditional African events, you don't even know when the party started, mm-hmm. because it's like what you think might be the welcome or the intro is like a pre-party, mm-hmm. <laughs> you mm-hmm. know. So right, yeah, right, it's right. Just, it's just a real beautiful. Our, our culture is just yeah. extremely beautiful. And the African dance. Now yes. let's talk about the dance. Um. There are different types of dance. Oh man, absolutely. A, me, a million of them, right? Yes. Yes, a million of them. Now I had, I was on the show. Now I'm getting ready to go here, right? Okay. Quick. I'm going to go here, and uh, we were talking about American dancers, and you know, and some of the newer dances that they're doing these days, and they've got a dance that they're doing that I want to ask you, twerking. Tell me about twerking. Okay, so, so I was because I, I, I was actually prepared for this question. You know what? It's not, it's not uncommon. Yeah, National Geographic. I mean, you see, you see uh, some of our culture actually twerking. You well, know, what you what one would consider. Well, twerking. I don't know. Yeah. That's that's what that's what America calls it. I yeah. guess you know America yeah. calls it. I'm not saying that's the word, but over here we're it's known as uh, some of that now. How do you feel? Is that I mean, I want to know. I just want to know. Okay, you know, so, tell me what you think. So if you understand African dance, which most people don't, but we do know that most of our movements, most of the things we do is genetic. Okay. Right? Because we don't dance like no other culture. That's right. We don't. And no other culture dances like us. Right? If you go, if you, if you look at Arabic culture and the dancing in Arabic culture, or even uh, those that, what they call belly dancing, or if you go to Hindu culture, and look at some of the movements of those dancers, you know, depending on whether you're talking about male or female, right? Because in most African traditional cultures, men and women dance together, mm-hmm. right? You don't have, and, and you, right. Do have, you do have women's societies and women groups that dance, right? Now, the idea of twerking, and I hate to use that. That's an American term, isn't well, it? it, because, it? Well, because it's associated with something else, Yeah. right? It's, it's tied to something else. Um, if you go to Jamaica and you look at the Jamaican culture of whining uh, and pasta parties and all these other things that that really speak to the aggressive sexual nature of dance, or if you go to Brazil, uh, Cuba and you look at salsa and these dances that that would appear to be very sexual in nature, right? So, like I know a woman who teaches um, salsa in Brazil. And she said, we teach our children salsa at an early age, or uh, what they call it, uh, mambo, samba. We teach them at an early age. Because what it teaches those, that boy and that girl, it teaches the boy, this is how you move with a woman. This is how you treat a woman. You, de- you treat her delicately and fluidly, right? It teaches the woman, this is how you allow a man to lead. Let him lead you gracefully, right? He, she said, we don't have this barrage of sexual innuendos in our media, like the West and like, like you do in the U S right. through music as much as it's not as like, it's not as, it's not as, it's not as dominant as it is in your culture. Mm-hmm. So our musical expressions and our, and our expressions are not attached to sexualization in this culture, because we attach so much to sexuality, a person can't move a certain way. They can't dance a certain way. They can't walk mm-hmm. a certain way. They can't interact a certain way. I'll give you a prime example. One of the most uncomfortable things that happened to me in Africa. 
I was walking during a festival, and another grown man grabbed my hand and wanted to walk down the street with me like it was nothing. Mm-hmm. Right? And I'm thinking, what oh, you yeah, doing? I already know what you're thinking. Yeah. yeah. But then the longer I, I was there, the but the longer thing, I was yeah. there, I've seen it a lot. Yeah. And I'm seeing brothers, you know, walking down the street with their arm around each other like, hey, what's going on? Yeah. You know, my friend, did you see the soccer game the other night? Da, 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 da. The level of intimacy between the genders is so natural because they don't attach sexuality to it. Mm-hmm. How many people, it's like here, if you do that, you get you designated mm-hmm. as homosexual or lesbian. Right. Right. Because that's the designation they give you for your interaction, for how you interact. And it may not have nothing to do with you, but you're being conditioned to believe mm-hmm. that just your sexual preference. Yeah. Long before you even thinking about sexuality. Right. Right. You know, I witnessed that when I was overseas as well. Right. It's different. I've seen guys hugging on each other, sitting in each other's laps, and they weren't even uh, homosexuals, but they were, it was just cultural. You know, the, basically the, the, through, the way you socially the way they interact. Socially interact. That's I, right. I saw that, and I'm like, wow. You know, I thought something was wrong. You know, when I first saw it. Yeah, it was. It was. It, I mean, I'm telling you, it was shocking for me. Yeah. And it, and I had to really. I had to really address. I had to really adjust myself culturally to get comfortable, right? To understand, to understand it. that, right? Yeah. And I'm thinking, oh wow, this is like, uh-huh. it's such a norm to be affectionate towards your brother or your sister, right? You know what I'm saying? It's like it's nothing, or, or to be on the toilet and somebody walk in on you and have a conversation with you. Oh, that's that'd be a hard one. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Because everything is so natural, <laughs> yeah. That people don't the stuff that we think is valuable and important and private, or to go behind the, you know, like I'm going to the village. And somebody decides, well, I'm gonna go out to the side of the house and, and to this little area we got where we got a water well thing, and we, I'm gonna take a shot, take a bath. And mm-hmm. you, it's like that's no big deal, you know. And I've take, I've, I've been to, to the village where women have walked from the river to get water every morning. I took certain people with me at different years. Mm-hmm. One year I took this brother who was a serious womanizer. The the river is like at the, where the stop sign is from from your building. Okay. They're walking this way every morning. I didn't walk down that same road with my chew stick, talking to Prince Tunji. We were having a good morning stroll, and they walking through, and all they got on is a lapa at the bottom, tied around the waist, That's carrying, carrying water. I bring certain people with me. They can sense their energy from that far away, and we'll start wrapping their garment up different. Really? I kid you not. And I, because I, I, they can sense that. They huh? sense it. They know. They know when you got a when your mind something is not. And they right start covering there. covering they, up. They huh? started covering up. And I so I said, okay, I'm gonna go tomorrow and see what happens without him. Mm-hmm. No problem. Cairo, Mr. Wale. I was like, okay, let me take this dude with me next time. Same thing happening. Because his, his mind, his mind. They sensed it. his energy. Wow. And I was just like, see. Africa is very different. It's very organic. The intuitive nature of African people is so connected to to other human beings, to life, to plants, to animals, to everything else that we don't experience anything quite like it. And, uh, you know, before the end of the program, I'm going to share a, 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 a real miraculous thing with you that I witnessed while I was in Africa last time I went. Hmm. But, um, yeah, so that idea of twerking, that dance style of twerking, as yeah. they call it, you have to understand Number one, the culture that made that turned it into twerking, right? Uh, the, use that terminology, okay? What that terminology symbolizes, right? Because you hear people say, "Ain't nothing wrong with twerking." People always been twerking. It's been going on forever, but then don't call it twerking. 
Call it what it is. Huh? Call it something else, right? Call it something, call it just, you know, a, a certain dance style. Because when you say twerking, what's the first thing that comes to your mind? If I did a flashcard psychology course, twerking and sick. I said, there you go. Mm-hmm. Okay. See, so you see what I'm saying? It's about yeah. it's about what those things, what the, how you identify with those things. But you can go to another, you go to Jamaica, they'd be like, that's nothing. Yeah, no big deal. Right? But at the same time, you got to understand the psychology of Jamaica. Jamaica experienced the worst forms of sexual abuse. I know. I, I and I'm talking that. about males who were raped by other men. Right? So they so in Jamaica, you have a hypersexual, aggressive sexual nature. So they got dance styles called daggering and all these other dance styles that's really abusive and uh, or super hyper-aggressive sexually that People, if if the average person went from America, they could take their worst dances, go to a pastel party in Jamaica. You'll lose your mind because you're thinking, who in the world, what in the world kind of dance style is this, right? But it's coming from a people who, who have this genetic memory of being having their their, their manhood taken from them. You know what I'm saying? Being mm-hmm. castrated uh, anatomically and psychologically, and having to having to survive that. And then try to steal. So think about it. When a when a man feels, it's like that short man complex. People say, you know, you show yeah, you super aggressive. And, okay, it's the same way with people who have been abused sexually. And when you got a collective mass group of people who have experienced that on a mass level, you're more inclined to express your masculinity in a hyper aggressive way, right? So you got high levels of, of of male female abuse, or or you know, in a Jamaica, it's it's, it's just certain things. And so you look for that. You look for the psychological, how people were, how mass a group of people were affected psychologically. It's like even in Tulsa, how people say, you know, Tulsa is the worst place to live. And they, I ain't never been to where people think like they think in Tulsa, but ain't nobody experienced mass trauma like the people in Tulsa, right? And if you don't have a remedy for that, if you don't have an understanding of that, then you don't know how to process those people who live there and you can't empower them, right? It's easy for you to, to ostracize them or criticize them. And then it is for you to analyze, understand what has happened, and try to create a, a doable, a workable solution to help. Because none of us ain't never experienced nothing like that. Mm-hmm. We trip out if somebody rob us, rob our house. You don't even want to live in a house no more. Okay, imagine somebody take your whole community, and you still come back. What kind of psychology does it take to do that? What kind of endurance level does it take to do that? But what happens to those people who are survivors and the children of those survivors? How do they? How do they? How do they recoup? right, from that psychologically, right? I ain't talking about the ones who had the wealth to rebuild. I'm talking about the other ones on the outskirts. Yeah, I know trauma. You know, so we deal, we, this thing is, it's, it's so broad and so, so massive that we just got to look at it in different ways. Um, you know, two things I really want to say while I have the time. African spirituality, one of the most misunderstood, misrepresented ideas on the planet. If you want to know why I come, they want to keep us from our culture and from our spirituality, more importantly. They don't mind us going back and learning a little African dance, playing drums for them and doing all the other shuck and junk kind of things. Mm-hmm. But they don't want you experiencing your spiritual practice because your spiritual practice is your power. That's why the first thing they took from you was your spirituality. Mm-hmm. People never talk about the hundred plus, hundred or more years that they were already in Africa as before, missionaries before slavery, long before they started the commerce of chattel slavery, mm-hmm. right? You had to go in there and start indoctrinating some people. You think all of a sudden you got some uh, Africans to help you catch slaves automatically? 
That wasn't going to happen. You recruited them. You baptized them. You you colonized their mind. You got them. You convinced them that your own people were heathens, and that and that their culture was not worthy of identifying with. Right. So now you identify with your colonizer, and you freely work for him. Capture your own people. Mm-hmm. That's why a lot of the slaves never left. Right. Because they were like, no, no, we got it good here with math. Same psychology. Math, so we got it good, you know. Please. Right. So your so the spiritual practice was the spiritual the spiritual system that we work with is so profound. So I'll give you an example. And I you know, when I get a chance I'll show you a certificate that my my grandfather in Africa received. Yeah, I'd love to see as it. As a priest from the US government mm-hmm. as being one of the most profound and proficient priests in the world. I'm going to show it to you. Mm -hmm. When they came to my family compound, a government official came to the compound and asked for a spiritual implement and wanted to pay big money for it. Needless to say, because spirit is, man, our ancestors and our spiritual wisdom is so profound. Thing he came to get, he never left with. Mm -hmm. But what he left with was something that changed his soul this particular government official. Two years ago, when I was in Africa, one of our family members got shot at a festival because they were shooting gun, you know, shooting off guns. And, uh, well, I guess a shotgun, some shotgun pellet got into his arm. He had nine pellets in his arm. Mm-hmm. Took, he went to the hospital, got bandaged up, and they said, come back tomorrow, take this medicine, we'll remove the bullets. Instead of him going to the hospital, we went deep off into the bush to this village and they had these bullets removed from his body spiritually. Now, when I, this is what I want you to understand. No surgical utensils, nothing. Those bullets were removed. Took nine bullets out of his arm from a shotgun shell. When I tell you I've seen a lot of miraculous things happen in Africa on a spiritual level. This one was the most profound. So when I would hear stories about how ancient Egyptians was doing surgery and, you know, performing all of these different highly technologically advanced things without Western tools and Western science, brother, I'm telling you, I watched them in the dark with candle lights, a razor blade, and some gin and spiritual medicine made from gunpowder and some other elements. I watched these two priests, one real young, another one kind of old. And I got my cell phone light because they like, go get Wiley. He needs to see this. I watched them, this brother, take. So like one priest had his hand towards the bottom of his arm. So imagine those of you who are listening, imagine my arm, you know, straight down. And I got another priest holding his hand down towards my wrist like he's going to catch something. The other priest is using his finger and chant, doing his chants. And then he would slap the arm extremely hard, right? And I'm thinking, God, it got to hurt. What is he doing? And he, he starts slapping the arm really hard like he tenderizing it or something. Next thing you know, he starts chanting and using his fingers. And you can see the bullet following his finger and the other priest catch the bullet as it comes out of the hole. Nine of them from Mm. different places. And I watched them do this through the whole night and then pat the wounds with medicine, traditional medicine. When I saw that, 
That's mind blowing, right? I there. said, nobody is gonna believe this. I I couldn't. It took me days to process what I witnessed because I watched him, and all they did with the razor blade was create a small hole to where that bullet could exit. Where a different bullet from, from so the ones that they were hard that were caught up in the muscle of mm-hmm. muscle tissue, mm-hmm. they just created another hole. Then he started saying some words in Europe, but started chanting, and he just used his finger like this and started tapping his arm, and the bullet was following his finger, and it fell out of the hole into the other priest's hand. And they would throw it into this glass, pack it with medicine, and, 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 pour, and spew gin on it, and say some say an incantation. So it oh, my healed. goodness. Mm. Man, brother, when I watched that, I said to myself, everything that I had read, every document that I had ever read prior to this on African spiritual practices and some of, how the, some of the medicine men work and some of the warriors, how they made themselves bulletproof and stuff like that. I thought this stuff is not, this is not um, fictional. It's not a fairy tale thing. I said, no wonder all of these scientists and people go to places like Africa and Jamaica and go into these indigenous areas, trying to learn certain sciences and medicine. Right. Right. But those sciences and medicines, you don't learn without being initiated. And it takes you years to even learn the practice. So the priest told me, who I really looked up to as, an, as a really expert priest, told me, right. I haven't even graduated to that level. And this man that I talked to the second year I got malaria right. told me to bring him a bottle of water, prayed into it, took this dust from an ant tree. I mean, uh, ant dust. They call it Yerosun. He, he marked it into the water, told me to drink it and go home and come back tomorrow. My malaria was gone overnight just through that. But because... The practice of traditional spirituality is so denounced, right, in, in certain places, in Western culture, in Christian societies. That's why come all of, the, all of the priests and the imams and the great spiritualists come to the compound at night. At nighttime. To huh? get medicine, to get help, to get support, for, even for their own a practice. Hmm. You see what I'm saying? So the connectivity, the respect for it is there. But you have government systems that are run and operated and led and manipulated by Western forces that say you suppress that or you make this the dominant factor, right? The dominant religious, because uh, whoever's in power, their, their, their uh, spiritual belief, their religious belief is who benefit the most. So if you have, a, have Muslim a, lot leader, of, a lot of followers, right? yeah. So right. if you have a Muslim leader, then mo- that means the Muslim people Muslim, are gonna right. seek the most, just like Democrats and Republicans here. Mm-hmm. Okay, it's the same thing on a religious level. There, it's just part of the benefit of being affiliated with a particular religious group. Mm-hmm. So, but all of them are dependent upon the traditionalists for their primary support. But that right there, when I saw that. I was done. That is, I was, I was already I'm done, done. I'm done just by listening to you, man. So. Wow, that's deep, man. Yeah, so it's it's a lot of powerful stuff that happens, you know. And I had somebody ask me recently. They said, "Why don't we use our power, kind of like in the movie? Why don't we use our power to stop the oppression that we go through?" If you had a clue how much power that is, you would think twice about it. And I'm explaining why. I asked the exact same thing when I I was still militant minded when I went to Africa. I was just like Killmonger in in Black Panther when I was in Africa. Okay. I was like, how can we fight this white oppression? How can we deal with the stuff we're dealing with? You know what I'm saying? We need help. We need this power. I was I so I so empathized with his position. I remember being that person. 
in Africa. Because I'm seeing stuff and I'm like, yo, y'all shouldn't even have the kind of pro- corruption and problems y'all got here. Y'all could eliminate that easily. And they said to me, how many people have been saved by the sons of their fathers? In, in, in history, right? He was speaking from the African historical perspective. Mm-hmm. He said, we've had leaders in power and there was their children who, who, who rescued us. It was their children who saved us. Now, if we kill the father, the child will never be born. And he was basically saying the laws of connectivity are so real that we don't acknowledge or recognize how connected we are. Right. The other people are blinded by it. That's why if you, even if you notice in the Black Panther film, you notice how everything was really about connectivity, the yeah. connection between your ancestors, past, present and future. True. Right. The, so it was, it was all dealing with those ideas, past, present and future. Past was those ancestors who they called on to help them understand the present. Right. Those who were present were trying to fix the future. Not understanding it's all connected. So you had to go back to the past. So you can even understand the future. Right. Right. It's the same. If we can just get a, if we can grab an understanding about that, just like you said, well, we just don't. Most people just don't know the history. If that's what it is. OK, that's the proof of it. Mm-hmm. If we knew what our ancestors had done, if we knew what our ancestors were capable of, if we knew what our ancestors endured, if we respected and valued the sacrifice, we might have a different position in life. But because we don't, we find ourselves isolated. Uh, 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 what do you call it? Micro. We micromanage everything. We try to recreate wheels, reinvent situations that have already been tested, tried, failed, or succeeded. But because we refuse, and ego won't let us go back to the past and gather some of the knowledge we need to get what we need to be right now. Right. We can't fix it. So you got a bunch of groups trying to fix the same problem because they don't understand the power of connectivity. Right. Look at look at like in the Black Panther. Look at all of the villages who said, hey, we don't contest it. We don't contest, contest it. it. We, we don't, don't contest, contest it. it. Right. right. They simply saying, we are in agreement. If somebody got a better idea, let them come and challenge right. the idea that is in front of us. Mm-hmm. That's African culture. That's mm-hmm. what we do. So if we, co- we are a collective group of people, and we say, we got a problem. We need a city to change it. We go together, all of the F districts, all mm-hmm. of the different groups in North South. We all show up for the same issue. Yeah. Why is it that uh, we have all these separatism and we have uh, within our own to all these different little organizations? And groups? Because we convince ourselves that we are untrustable, mm-hmm. untrustworthy. Mm-hmm. We can we do that. We convince ourselves that we are untrustworthy. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's like fear. Fear does one thing. Right. Fear mm-hmm. keeps you from loving each other mm-hmm. because it's only two human emotions, love and fear. So everything that you do, you're either doing it out of love or you're doing it out of fear. So people who people who fall into distrust of each other are fearful of each other. They don't love each other because you can't walk into a room and say, I love black people. You know what? And that's one thing that uh, that one big word that we use around here a lot is it, uh, identifying hate, you know, because I think a lot of us hate each other in a lot of ways. We don't hate each other. That, we hate and, ourselves. And, well, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Our, ourselves. Well, let's say ourselves. Yeah. That's what I'm saying ourselves because we don't know who we are you know and the more you don't know who you are the more you're gone malcolm x said it best yeah right. first thing you can do is to teach a man to hate himself hate himself because he'll hate hate everybody else that's right that's so right how do you deal with people who have who uh have been proven to be untrustworthy 
Look oh, at look at okay. look at look at uh, there's a real there's a real good answer to that. Look at our heroes. Mm-hmm. Let's right. just use the one I just mentioned. Right, right, right. Malcolm X. Uh huh. 